first at Above the Way Camps. And then the pastor was talking on the story when Jesus walked on the water. Mm-hmm. And the words hit me. The words was, it is I, don't be afraid. And then I went to the doors and the lady asked, what do you want to do? And I say, I want to give my life to Christ. And then as soon as I walk back inside, I just felt renewed, clean, forgiven, and a totally whole new person. And the song that was playing was Give Me Faith. And it was just awesome. You stay the same through the ages. There is someone that loves you unconditionally, and his name is Jesus. I think it means to live out your faith and serve Him with all your actions. And in doing that, then you're shining God's light in the world and proclaiming the gospel through what you do and what you say. Remember, like, praying to God and saying, like, wow, I'm totally broken and my life is broken and there's really nothing else that can heal my brokenness, but Jesus, and so I remember just praying like, Lord, I'm broken and I, I need you. to bring them to you, to, to impact lives, to change people, to, to just say, I'm going to follow you, God, and wherever you want me to go, that's where I'm going to be, because I know that you're my Father up in heaven. You have a plan for me. You know where I'm going to go, and that's something only he can control. Alright, so give it up again for these students, would you? Give it up for them. Thank you guys. You guys can have a seat. Y'all make some noise for them. Come on. So if you see, I have a clicker in my hand, so if I do this, like don't get weirded out, okay? I'm just changing the slides back there. Um, but listen, a lot of these students that you saw on that video, these were testimonies from, from about a month ago. We did a series called Raising the Bar. It was a series on value and having students understand their value in Christ, which is huge. And uh, since then, at camp, 11 students gave their life to Jesus Christ. So please make some noise for that. That's amazing. And... Not only did they decide to follow Jesus, we had a lot of recommitments. Just lives were changed. They came with their brokenness to the altar, man. And it was the most beautiful thing you could ever see. And just to see students abandoned, hearts abandoned, saying, Jesus, I want to be transformed. I want to live for you. Getting the understanding of what that means, the weight of what that means. And so on Wednesday, we talked about baptism and what that means, the profession of salvation. We called it putting on new clothes, right? We need to put on our new clothes. Because we are cre- new creatures in Christ. But we said, hey, the clothes are going to get dirty sometimes. But Jesus can wash them away by the blood of Christ. So we talked about that. And so we had over 36 baptisms at the lake on Friday morning. So make some noise for these students for their commitment that they've made. And the truth is, the truth is, is that a lot of these students wouldn't have been able to go if it wasn't for you. And so your investment, 
of $300, $200, $100, $50, that was an eternal investment. Nine lives came to know Christ. Eleven students came to know Christ. A dozen students recommitted their life for Christ because of your investment financially. So every penny counts, people. And not only financially, but also prayer. Prayer was huge for our week at camp. Listen, I had probably one of the worst weeks ever leading up to camp. Like, literally everything in my house broke down. Some of you may know that. And so I, I got to talk with Dale and Pastor Jim, and Jim was like, all right, let's just pray. So, so that's what we did. We just prayed. And, and, and really, we felt the weight of your prayers. And we're so thankful for them. So students, if you're thankful, I want you to stand up and applaud for everyone in this room who helped you go to camp. Come on. Oh, that was weak. Come on, make some noise for them. That's better. That's better. All right, thank you guys. And I, and I do, listen, if it was just me at camp by myself, I probably wouldn't be here today, right? So we have the best youth counselors in the world, and they're behind-the-scenes counselors. They're meeting with students throughout the week. They're investing in these students week in, week out. They put up with me. I know that's hard, and they forgive me, and that's amazing. And I'm just so thankful for them. So if you're a leader, uh, even if you didn't go to camp, can you please stand up for just a second? 220 leaders. And everybody, can you just make some noise for them? All right, thank you guys. So it's pretty amazing. It really is amazing to have such a, a youth group that is on fire for Christ. If you don't know my name, my name is Arthur Goncalves. I know that last name is weird. I'm Portuguese, okay, not Gonzalez, Goncalves. But I'm the youth pastor and worship pastor here at Avalon Church. And the one thing that you should know about me is that I love to see students know Christ. I love to see students engage with Christ. We love to see students know Jesus in a real way. We know that he's not a far-off God, but he's alive in this place this morning. And that's important for our students to know. That's important for our students to be in the word and understand who God is. Amen. So on the other end of the spectrum of that, there's a pretty scary statistic that we've, we've talked a lot about at church, and you've probably heard it in the media, but the statistic is, let's see if it goes, Jonathan help me out here, no, there it is, okay, so it's 80% of young adults leave the church after high school, and that's really scary. When I see that number, I'm like, what are we doing, right? 80% of young adults leave the church. So that means that 20% of students stay in the church, are plugged in in the church. And so instead of really focusing on the 80% this morning, I'm going to focus on the 20% for a second. And uh, I went on a website called Christian Today. It's a really neat website. They give some pretty neat polls about, about this kind of stuff. And uh, there was a poll of, of students that gave reasons why they stayed in the church why they stayed plugged in, why they stayed on fire for Christ. So we're going to go over them just really quick before we start off this morning. So the first reason, this is what some of the students said, the 20 percenters, they said, the church helped guide my decisions in everyday life. That seems pretty basic, but somebody was awake and on fire for Christ enough to invest in these students, right? So this is a big one. So the church helped me guide my decisions in everyday life. Second, my parents were still married to each other and both attended church. So they understood the marriage relationship. They understood that it's more than just them, but it also includes their children and what it says about God and the covenant of marriage. And I know some of you in here are thinking, well, I'm a single parent. Well, hey, this is for you too. Bring them to church. Stay on fire for Christ. They can see that. Amen? They can see that. All right. I say amen just to make sure you guys are awake. So here we go. The pastor's sermons were relevant to my life. Dale does an amazing job at that. So I'll make some noise for Pastor Dale. He's amazing. I, I know he hates that, so I'll hear about it on Tuesday. But we love you, Pastor Dale and Pastor Jim, for all that you do, your investment in us and in our congregation. It's amazing what uh, the impact you have on our students. And sometimes they don't tell you, but they tell me. And it's amazing. You guys are just, you shine in the light of Christ. So thank you for that and all the hours you put in for uh, writing up those sermons and, and really being obedient to Christ. So the last one is, here it goes. All right. At least one adult from church made a significant investment in me personally and spiritually. So like the first one and this one go kind of hand in hand. But somebody in this place, somebody in their life at their church made a significant investment personally and spiritually. 
So what that means is somebody had to take the time from their own life to invest into a student. And because of that, they're part of the 20% who stayed in the church. They're part of the 20% who are changing the world for Christ. If we look at that statistic, that means 80% of students who are in this place won't be back at church after high school. But you can change that. It starts with you, church family. And let's make this 20%, let's increase it to 50%. And let's go from there. Let's make it 100%. Amen? Amen. All right. So one thing, uh, one thing that you see in that statistic, I'll go back here. One thing you see in that statistic is that you see people who are invested, right? People who are on fire for Christ. People who said, you know what? It's not just about me, this Christian walk. To be awake spiritually means that I have to make a sacrifice in others' lives. That means that I, I, really, I have to leave a legacy, and I have to live for Christ. And when I'm on fire for Christ, here's what it does. It transforms the lives of students. And when I live for Christ, by the way, if you don't think they're watching you every day, every Sunday throughout the week at the store, they are. They see you. They see me. And by the way, they call me out all the time without fail. Like students, by the way, they don't, they don't like give you a pat in the back. They don't do that. They tell you everything that you did wrong, Okay. That's what they do. They're so good at that. So, but the truth is, is they're watching you. And if you're spiritually awake, then they'll be spiritually awake. And what that does is that transforms generations. And that transforms families. That, trans that transforms our children. And it leaves a legacy for students and children and people at our workplace to live for Christ. So it's super important this morning. And we, keep, we can't keep going through the motions of, you know what? I know Arthur's talking about that, saw students in the front, you know, they had their hands up, they were on fire. I'll get to that. There's some things I got to get to first. But the matter's urgent. The matter is urgent this morning. We have these shirts that said, oh, it says awake. I have mine that says wide awake. We got these from camp. This, we can't fall asleep because it's affecting everyone around us. And they're going to be able to say, you know what? Does he really follow Jesus? Because I don't see it in his life. And that's super important for us this morning to be able to see. So this morning, what we're going to do, it's going to be a really uh, quick lesson. Not really. I'm kidding. Uh, it's going to be kind of long. But the truth of the matter is, I learned that from Dale. So the truth of the matter is, is that we're going to compare and contrast what it means to be spiritually awake compared and contrast to what it means to be spiritually dead or asleep. All right, and we're going to look at Ephesians 4 and 5. So if you have your Bible, if you have your iPhones or your iPad, by the way, this is an iPad for those who don't know, and it has my lesson on there, and it also has scripture on there. It's a Bible. I know that's weird. So if I carry it around, I'm reading from the scriptures in here, just so you know, okay? I'm not like text messaging or Facebooking or anything like that. All right, students, you too. So, so here's the deal. Some of you guys are new um, to this church, or maybe somebody dragged you in here for the first time, and the last you know, few things that I've said, you really don't understand. Like, what is he talking about? I've never been to church. I don't know, I don't know this God. He sang some songs. I don't know that Jesus. I don't, I don't know about that. Well, I'm here to tell you that we have something for you this morning as well. And if you're new this morning, I'm just so thankful that you're here, and there's something to be learned this morning. At very least, the first thing is you'll have something applicable to bring home. You'll, you'll, you'll grow this morning. But I really believe that God has something specific for you. That God wants you to wake from your slumber. God wants you to be alive for Christ. God wants you to know him. And that's what we talked about this morning. And thirdly, I think this is the best one. If you don't know Christ this morning, and this is kind of foreign to you, it's all good. Here's the deal. I'm sure a Christian invited you, okay? So at very least... You can kind of write down some notes and say, hey, dude, you're not following what that guy said last Sunday. You can keep them accountable, okay? If you don't know about this Jesus stuff and God, let me just tell you, you can keep your Christian friend accountable because this morning, the passages that I'm going to read from were specific to Christians. So Christians, are we awake this morning? That's the question. So before I go any further, um, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Then we'll get started in this place. God, we thank you that you don't need all this technical stuff. You don't need that. God, that you're in this place. God, I just pray that you would speak through me this morning, that I would decrease so that way you would increase in this place. God, teach us something new this morning. Make it fresh in our hearts. Help us to not be Christians who are asleep, 
who are spiritually dead, but Christians who are awake and alive. So when others see us, they're like, dude, there's something different about you. I want to know that, Jesus. God, break our hearts this morning. Convict us. Give us new breath and new life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we go any further, um, I I just want to actually talk about the first thing, which is being spiritually dead. So if you're in Ephesians 4, you can go ahead and turn to 4.18. We'll get there in just a second. So what does it mean to be spiritually dead or asleep? Well, simply, to be spiritually dead or asleep, it's a man or woman without Christ. And remember, take note that this particular scripture was written to Christians. So what this means is at some point in your life, you decided to follow Jesus, right? But at some point in your life, you've kind of said, God, I got this right? You say, God, like, I'm a veteran. I know about all this stuff. I, I, I don't, like, I got this. I got this on my own. So it's a man and woman without Christ, but don't take my word. Uh, take the scripture's word. So here it goes. So Ephesians 4.18, here's what Paul tells us. They are darkened in their understanding, and they've alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. So I highlighted stuff because this is what I do in my uh, version app, so it kind of makes it clear so you can understand the points of the scripture. So here's what Paul says. What is spiritually dead mean? What does it mean to be spiritually asleep? It's simple. You've alienated yourself from the life of God. It's a man or a woman without Christ. That at some point in your life, you decided to say, hey, Jesus, I got this. And it goes on and it kind of tells us that it's because of the ignorance that is in them. It's because maybe we've hardened our hearts at some point of our life that we've alienated our sight from God. And we say, God, we got this. And here's what happens when we do that. And I'm going to go over the scripture, but here's some of the things that happen that you can kind of notice. When we become spiritually dead or asleep and we alienate ourselves from God, we, we start to be a little angry. We start to be a little grumpy, maybe a little lazy, a little miserable, a little unforgiving. Maybe somebody asked you this week, hey, let's go get some coffee. And you're like, like and that person says, because I... I I'm struggling, and I, I need some hope. And you're probably thinking, uh, dude, I, I can't make it. I can't make it. And the dude's like, why? Why can't you make it? Because I got a football game I got to watch. Orlando City is on TV. This is a serious thing. And we get in this downward spiral of being spiritually asleep that we kind of, Paul says, we start to harden our hearts to people, Right? We start to harden our hearts at our jobs. We start to harden our hearts towards our family. And then after a while, you've just alienated yourself from the life of God. But here's what the scripture says. It goes on and it kind of gives us a little more detail of what it means to be spiritually asleep or, or dead. And it kind of gives us the characteristics of that. So here's what the verse says, Ephesians 4, 19. It says, they have become calloused. I love this word. Become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And this is a big deal. So that word callous, that, that, that's, a, that's a pretty important word there, right? That we start to harden our hearts, right? We start to harden our hearts because of the ignorance that is in us, and then we become callous. So I said, you know what, let me, let me define this for us this morning, callous. So the Oxford definition of callous, here it is. It says, showing or having an insensitive and cruel disregard for others. So when we become spiritually asleep and we alienate ourselves from the life of God, we become calloused, right? And we become insensitive towards people, God's people even. And we, become, we have a cruel disregard for others. And by the way, it's noticeable whether you notice it or not. Amen? I didn't get as many amens on that one. But that's the truth. So Paul warns us. He says, hey, being spiritually dead and being spiritually asleep like this matter, this is a big deal. And I'm just warning you guys this morning because the word of God, if the word of God is alive in which it is, then he's speaking to us this morning as well. Christian, are you with me? He's speaking to us. And, and Paul says, don't fall asleep. It's a slippery slope. When you fall asleep spiritually, it's, it's shaky ground. And here's what happens to your heart. Your heart becomes infertile soil. You harden your hearts. So now I'm going to read a ton of scripture. So here we go. Buckle up. 
Get your reading glasses on. Here we go. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. So these are some of the characteristics, some of the things that are super duper important. And Paul addresses them. He says, if this is you, then you're asleep. And we'll go over the the awake part in just a second. So I'll kind of skip over those. But we're going to go over some of the characteristics of what it means to be asleep. So Ephesians 4, 25 through 28. It says, therefore, having put away falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. When I think of falsehood, I think of gossip. Right? Start to talk about people. We start to lie about people. Even within the body of Christ. And it starts affecting us real bad. And Paul says, put that away. Put away all falsehood. Just put that away. I love the way Paul addresses all this, by the way, and pay attention to those because he's very clear and he's adamant about it because we can't deal with sin in a a casual way. He says, put that away. Put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth. Then it goes on on 26. It says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. See, the truth is you're probably thinking, dude, I can be angry when I'm awake for Christ. That's not the truth, Okay. What he's saying here is be angry towards sin. Be angry and do not sin. Just so we're clear here, people, that he's saying be angry at your sin. That when you, like when you set up the guardrails where things you know you shouldn't be looking at or doing, that you set up these guardrails and say, man, I hate that. And I don't want to even go close to that. I hate that sin. Be angry. Do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Married couples in here, you know what I'm saying? You have a fight, and then you let the sun go down on your anger, and what that does, the Bible says, is it gives opportunity to the devil. It opens the door, because the Bible says that he's prowling. It says, be angry, do not sin. Be angry at that sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. It goes on and says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So work with your hands, right? And this can apply to those who cheat on their taxes, possibly, who kind of take shortcuts and steal, right? It applies to all of that. There's a lot of that that we can put in there that says no longer steal, but rather let him labor so when we give and we can share what we have and know that that is glorifying to Christ. Let him labor with his hands. goes on. This one is big, and Paul talks about it a lot. It says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Paul addresses the mouth. James addresses the mouth. James says that out of the same mouth we worship Christ and we curse him. So the mouth carries a lot of weight, and he spent some time talking to us believers about that. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Christians, he said none. And I struggle with that and some of you guys are probably thinking really Arthur yes really there's some parts of our life it could be slander it could be anything what he's saying is don't let that come out of your mouth only such as that is good for building up and fits the occasion so that it would give grace to those who hear then it says do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption here it goes let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Here's what this is saying, is when we become bitter with one another, Christians, when we become bitter to those outside of the faith, here's what it leads to. It leads to wrath. It leads to anger. It leads to clamor. It leads to slander, gossip. And here's what it leads to. And then you want to hurt somebody. So here's what Paul says. Just put that away. Put it away for good. Put it away along with all kind of malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We'll get back to that in just a second. I think I'm there. Maybe? Okay, here we go. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. Do I really have to go over this one? Are you coveting this morning? Do you want what your neighbor has and So everything you do in your life is just to try to get some of that? Are you looking at things you're not supposed to be looking at? Students? Adults? Are you looking at women, men in here when they walk by? He says, no. If you've you've already thought of it, then you've already done it. We had a breakout session at camp 
and we talked about this topic, and I gave a little bit of my testimony. I said, here's what I do. If I see someone that I believe is attractive, and by the way, here's what I do. I don't even look that way. And I said, students, you don't even, you don't, you just keep walking this way. Because that's what Paul's telling us this morning. Don't even let it be named among you as it is proper among the saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. So Paul addresses it again. He says, whatever comes out of your mouth, be careful because it carries a lot of weight. Christians, are you with me this morning? Don't let foolish talk come out of your mouth. Oh, that's just a joke. No, it isn't. It's out of place, Paul says this morning. That, that joking, that bad-mouthing, that's out of place. That doesn't build anybody up. He says, replace that with thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexual, immoral, or impure, or who is covetous, that is, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. So he says, when we, become, when we become sexually impure, and we start to focus on these things, and when we begin to covet, it becomes an idol, and it replaces Christ. He says, don't do that, because... That has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. He's really clear on that this morning. Then it goes on and says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Don't just give everyone the fluff, right? Hey, that's great. All right, nice to see you. And you're gone, right? Paul says, take a second to invest. Goes on and says, therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you're in the light, you're the light in the Lord. And this is so big, and we're going to get to that in just a second. And it goes on and says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. This is huge. This whole verse is huge. It says, don't even take part in unfruitful works, because those unfruitful works, that's darkness. And Jesus is telling us this morning, instead of partaking in that, Expose them. Expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of these things that they do in secret. You know about some of the things? It's shameful to even think about these things, to speak about these things that they do in secret. Be careful, Christians, in what you put your mind into and who you invest in and what you do and who you hang out. Because guess what? Everything that you do this morning is eternal. Christians, are you with me on that? But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. This, y'all got to highlight this part. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. I love that verse. He says, instead of carrying all that stuff around, instead of partaking in, in the unfruitful works of darkness, here's what you should do, Christians. Are you ready? Expose them and say, come to Jesus and say, God, here's the things that I'm doing. In, in, in just a few minutes, we're going to have time to worship again and time to come here and do business with Christ. That's the time. Because here's what Jesus is saying. He says, don't hold that in. Don't even talk about those things. Here's what you need to do. You need to run straight to Jesus and expose them. Because once it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. And that's when you live awake. Are you with me, church? All right. So my question to you is, are you struggling with some of these things? Anything that Paul mentioned in those verses, are you struggling with any one of those things? I am. And the truth of the matter is, is every single person in this room is struggling with one of those things. I'm here to tell you that you might not be spiritually dead, but you might be spiritually asleep in some areas of your life. And what Jesus is trying to tell you this morning is, I want you to live awake. I want you to have hope. I want you to be alive for me. I want you to change generations. Break those chains. And I know the first natural reaction to this is probably thinking, you know what? I'm getting what Arthur's saying, so I think I got the game plan. I kind of get like this sometimes. So the first mistake we make is we try to fix it ourselves. Amen? Amen? Right? You're like, okay, Arthur told me all that. I wrote it. So here's my, here's my 10-step plan. I'm going to do it on my own. I got this. Right? I got this. And the next thing you know, you find yourself kind of carrying on everything. Right? Carrying on all this baggage. I still haven't, I still haven't forgave this person, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do it. 
I still haven't changed some of my ways. I still haven't changed looking at the things I'm not supposed to be looking at. So you start carrying it all on. And what happens is it, it becomes a downward spiral to the point where you just start becoming angry with everyone around you. And then you say, you know what? You know, I, I left the church. Why? Because I just was just so sick of everything. Why? What happened? Well, I, I try to fix it. I try to like read my Bible more, but like nothing changed. Well, have you forgave that person in the name of Jesus? No, no, I didn't do that. Like I, I was getting there, but I decided not to. We try to fix it ourselves, and we find ourselves in a deeper hole than we started with. So if you're anything like me, I'm a picture person. I'm a visual guy. I think every one of our students would know that. They would tell you that. So I got a video that I'm going to play here in just a second. In this video, maybe you can identify yourself with one of these people. And then after that, I'm going to we'll kind of go over that. So y'all just buckle up and watch this really quick. All right. So who's watched that movie? Raise your hand if you watched that movie. That was a pretty good movie, right? Pixar makes some pretty neat movies. I brought my kids to Disney. They loved it. They didn't stay still. They were running around the movie theater. Anyway, but they loved it, all right? So, but there's some, I was watching that movie, and I've already started to prepare for this morning's message, and I saw something different when I saw that scene. And I was like, what a great analogy for this morning. Because you have this character, Sadness, and they had different emotions. If you didn't watch the movie, they had these different emotions that controlled the, the they, they were at the brain, and they controlled all the emotions of, of this little girl. And here's what happens. Sadness, like she ruined everything. She's always sad. She's pressing things and supposed to be pressing. And they end up in long-term memory. That's where they were, okay? And I started to think about that, and, and I could say, you know what? Isn't that some of us this morning? You can identify yourself with either sadness or identify yourself with joy, right? Being spiritually asleep or dead or being spiritually awake this morning. We can identify ourselves with that. But I love what unfolds in the story because they're in this long-term memory and they don't know how to get back. But I love what Joy did because let's say Joy right now is the Christian who is awake for Christ just for the sake of this story, right? And sadness is the person who's placed their faith in Christ, but at some point, she just, she can't hold on to it anymore. She's just too sad to move. I can't do anything anymore. But here's what Joy says. Guess what? Didn't you read the manual? And just for the sake of the story, we have our manual, amen? And it tells us how to live awake. So she goes, didn't you read the manuals? And she's like, yeah. So you know your way back. Yeah, I know my way back. I know what it looks like to live spiritually awake, but I'm too sad to go back. And I love what Joy did. Because Christians this morning, I know a lot of people like this in my life, and I could name you one by one, but it'll take too long this morning. But I love what Joy did. Here's what Joy did. Joy runs up to her and she says, you know what? You're going to be my map. And she picks her up by her foot, and she begins to walk. She says, just direct me, and, and we'll go there. And that reminds me of the story of Mark that we talked about earlier, right? Where they tore down the roof to bring him to Jesus. Like, Joy was like, I'm going to get this done. We're getting back. And for the sake of this story, we're getting back to Jesus and what it means to be awake. But I love the response that sadness had, because sometimes we do this in our life. We go, you know what, you know, the weight of the world has bogged me down. The church wasn't there for me. Like, you know, they just let me down. But listen, this morning I want to tell you that every Christian in this room, we're all sinners. We fall short of the glory of God, the Bible says. So if someone has hurt you, if you're here for the first time, you don't know about what we're talking about. If somebody has hurt you, I'm here to tell you, I'm sorry. We make mistakes too. We're imperfect people. You hang around here long enough, you'll see it. Just hang with me, okay? You'll see it. But here's what sadness does. Sadness says, I'm, you know, I know the way back to Christ. I know the way back to headquarters, but I'm too sad to walk. And She just sticks out her foot, right? And that's some of us this morning. But Paul is challenging us. He's saying, that's no way of living. If you're living like that and you're holding on to all of that stuff this morning, what Paul is saying is you're living spiritually asleep. You're spiritually dead. In some point of your life, there's something that happened that caused this to happen, Christian. Here's what Paul says. We move on to 5.14. I love this verse. Here's what he says. This is known as Paul's wake-up call, all right? He says, awake, O sleeper, 
and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Right? There's nothing to do with us there, right? And Christ will shine on you. What Paul is telling us is, awake. If you're spiritually asleep this morning, if there's an area of your life that you saw up there just a second ago, you're like, that's me. Then Paul is saying, you need to awake and let Jesus take you up from that spiritually dead place you're at and let him give you life. That unforgiveness, let him give you life. He forgives you. You have nothing to do with this plan, by the way. It says, let Christ shine on you this morning. And sometimes kind of we get in the state, it's kind of like, I, I kind of give the analogy of kind of hitting our snooze alarm, our spiritual snooze alarm, right? That sometimes we hear it ringing, we hear it ringing, and we just want to keep hitting it, right? We just want to keep hitting it. Any early risers, any people who don't like to wake up early, raise their hand. Every student's going to raise their hand. Here we go, right? Every student in here, we don't like to wake up early, right? But what Paul is saying is stop hitting the spiritual snooze alarm of your life, don't wait to forgive that person. Don't wait to get right with Christ. Christ is calling us to come to him with a repentant heart and saying, God, I can't carry this. And only Jesus will take you up from that spiritual state and make you alive again. And he will shine on you, the Bible says. So what does it mean to be spiritually awake? There we go. What does it mean to be spiritually awake? Fully consumed by Jesus. Christ at the center of it all. This is important. If you have a pen or paper, you want to write this down. Just in case you forget, to be spiritually awake this morning is to be fully consumed by who Jesus is. It's to put Jesus at the center of it all. Because the truth is, is Jesus, he's not just another category of your life. Now, I got baseball, I got my job, I got my family, I got Jesus. He wants all of you, church family, he wants all of you this morning, person who came for the first time. He wants all of you this morning. The Bible describes him as an all-consuming fire. Amen? He doesn't want just piece of you. He wants all of you. Because the truth of the matter is, and you all probably want to write this down, is Jesus died in total surrender, didn't he, to the Father? He died in total surrender for total surrender. Let me say that again. Jesus died in total surrender for total surrender of your life. But there's times that we just say, God, I got this stuff. I won't give you that because I got this. But Jesus didn't die for that. Jesus died for all of you. You saw some of these students with their hands held high. We learned what it meant to surrender this week, and that's why they had their hands up high. They're saying, God, I understand what you did. You died in total surrender for total surrender of my life. He wants all of you this morning. And I'll tell you what, sleepwalking, that's not an option neither, right? Who sleepwalks? Don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. But who, there's people in here that sleepwalk. I used to sleepwalk, and that's, you know, that's a problem. But sleepwalking is not an option. So, what does that mean? I love to tell stories, so here we go. I'm going to tell you a quick little story. So I got my wife in the front row. Jessica, raise your hand. She's going to be totally embarrassed. Y'all make some noise for my wife, Jessica. She's amazing. I wouldn't be who I am today, a goofball, without her. And listen, she shines Jesus. A woman who's spiritually awake, that's her. And she keeps me in my place. And she, and she prays over me, and I'm just so thankful for you. And I couldn't be awake as I am this morning without her. Why? Because she made me coffee, okay? <laughs> so, just saying. But Jessica at one point, this story, Jessica at one point lived in her grandpa's house. We call him Grandpa Jim. And she lived in Delray Beach with Grandpa. And uh, by the way, we got married in Delray Beach. We love it down there. And he had this beautiful house. And one, uh, one night, we, we kind of had a late night, and we, we, did, we were hungry, so we were eating. And Grandpa Jim has this kind of island where we kind of eat around, and so we were eating, and really it was just three of us, me, her, and a friend, and um, listen, this is Grandpa Jim's house, right, and it's hot down there, okay, and let's just say Grandpa Jim, he sleeps with, okay, you know what I'm saying, I don't want to go through all of it, okay, it's just breezy at the house, you know what I'm saying, so we were eating, and we were hanging out, and then all of a sudden I see 
somebody come around the corner and I go, one, two, oh no. That's Grandpa Jim. It's getting real serious in here now. And Grandpa Jim came out. And by the way, he wasn't awake. He was asleep. He looked like he was awake. But listen, he was feeling the breeze. He was coming out. He just walks out. Boom. He's walking out to the fridge. And I'm just seeing all this go. By the way, Jessica's first reaction is, oh, my goodness. She was so embarrassed. She was so embarrassed. We just started dating. She was like, I can't believe he's going to leave me. And so I sat there. I sat there on the island. And guess what, guys? I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't move. Why? Why, Art, didn't you move? Because, listen, he's a man. I've seen it, right? It's all good. So I sit there, right? I sit there, and I'm just eating. I'm eating. I'm just amazed because he's walking, and he goes to the fridge. I'm like, hold on a second, and he gets some wheat bread. He loves wheat bread, and he gets a banana, then he gets some mayo, and he gets some peanut butter. I'm like, he's asleep. And he puts it on the table right next to us, and he lays in, he gets a plate, and he gets a knife. That's when I started to get really scared, right? I was like, somebody's going to get hurt. But I stayed there because I was hungry, right? And I'm watching this all unfold. And he pulls out the bread, and he begins to put the peanut butter on there perfectly, but he's asleep. And then the mayonnaise. And then he cuts the banana, and he puts it, and he cuts it in half, and he just eats it. But I saw him just eating. He was just eating, right? He couldn't really taste it. Because he was asleep. So I got done, and I started to walk out, and I was, I, it started to begin a little creeped out a little bit. And as I, as I was walking around the corner, I just wanted to get one more glimpse of this. I thought it was amazing. And I went, man. And then all of a sudden, he went. <laughs> and listen, I took off. I went, oh, my. <laughs> and so let me just tell you, that next morning was mad awkward. So... He sat in front of me on the couch, and I was like, please don't talk to me about this. Please don't talk to me about this. And he didn't. He talked about politics, which was great. So, but here's the point of this story. I tell you this story because sometimes we become, we, we sleepwalk in our faith, right? We do all of these things, and these things become routine, maybe even religious, maybe even legalistic, right? But really, we're not really tasting the joy of the Lord. We're not really tasting life that Jesus gives us, but we're just kind of going through the motions, right? Just as Grandpa did. He made the sandwich, but when he ate, I could just tell. He couldn't really taste it because he was asleep. And this morning, we do that. We say, well, I serve here, and I serve there, and I do this, and I do that. But really, there's no joy. You just do it because you think you have to. But Jesus says, I want you to be awake I want everyone around you to be like, what is different about you, man? It's the way you serve. It's the way you talk. It's the way you live. Your life is just different. So we looked at some, we looked at what it means to be spiritually dead, but now I want to look at some synonyms for awake this morning to make it a little more sense, to make it a little more relevant. Here's what the Oxford definition says, to stir, to come to. This is awake, to come around. I love this. Show signs of life, Right? Return to the land of the living. I love that part. To realize, to become aware of your surroundings, right? Be conscious of, become cognizant of, become mindful of, informal, get wise to. You see, those characteristics, they're contagious. Why? Because people know that you notice them. Remember that poll we saw in the beginning? It took someone to notice. It took someone to kind of stir up something in the lives of those students who stayed. I'm going to be that 20% and stay in the church. That could be your children. That can be people at your workplace. You can stir up. You can become aware of what's going around you. You can get wise to what's going on around you this morning. But don't take my word for it. Let's look into the scriptures. I'm just going to hit these, and we'll be done here in just a sec. So here it goes. Uh, Ephesians 4, 23 through 24 says, renewed in the spirit of your minds and uh, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So the Bible tells us the only way we can be transformed is by the renewal of our mind, right? Amen? So we need to be in the word. Those who are awake, you need to be in the word. You need to put on that new self. Those who are baptized at camp, students, you know what I'm saying, right? Your new clothes. I love this, created after the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness, pursue holiness. Pursue God this morning. It's contagious. 
4.28, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We talked about that, doing honest work with your hands. So when it's time to share, when it's time to give, people will say, listen, I saw you at work. Why are you so honest all the time? You could have cut the corner on this and made a lot more money, but you didn't. Your workplace, that's the best ministry you can have. And there's days that I sit at home and just knows that I go, God, sometimes I just want to go back to where I worked at, at Valet, at the airport Marriott. The outfits were goofy, but boy, we got to minister all day long. Your workplace is an amazing place to minister. So it goes on, it says, do honest work with your hands. And it goes, 429, only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, but that it may give grace to those who hear. So this was talking about our mouth, right? So be careful what comes out of your mouth. Make sure it's only good for building up somebody else as fits the occasion, because what we want to do is give grace to those who hear us talk, right? So our words are just so important. 432, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. There's so many people in here, Christians that are in here that I call mama and papas, and you know who I'm talking about, right? Mama Lori, Mama Shelly, Papa Vic, Papa John, not Papa John's, but Papa John. (laughs) And I call them that because they're so kind to me, and they're so tenderhearted to me. They forgive me. They understand what it means because they understand that they've been forgiven, and it's contagious. I just want to be around them all the time. Five, one through two, therefore be imitators of God, I love this, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Here's the benefit that we have this morning, Christians, is that God stepped off his throne and became a man, and we get to see what it looked like. And that's incredible. We got to see how Christ talked and how he taught and what he did on his past. Like, we got to see it all. So here's what Paul's saying. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us. By the way, I'm not talking about human love. I'm not talking about conditional love. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about love wins. What I'm talking about is Jesus is the source of all love this morning. We can only love this morning, and the way, Christ, the way Christ wants us to love is by first plugging into the source, and the source of that love is Jesus. We don't know how to love. We need to plug into the source. We only know how to love because Christ loved us first. And that's super contagious. And I love the fact that it says, as Christ gave himself up for us. Guess what? Being awake, living awake, that's going to take some sacrifice of your time. You're going to have to give up some of your time to make a difference, to impact the next generation, to impact your children. Because when you do that, when you give up yourself as Christ gave himself up for us, here's what it does. It becomes a sacrifice, not for you, but for God. It becomes a fragrant offering to Christ when we give ourselves up to others, Christians, non-believers, as an offering and a sacrifice to God. I love that verse. See here. And let there be thanksgiving. See, listen. I don't know if you remember Pastor Dustin Janney. Every time I'm around him, no matter where we go, here's what he says. Praise the Lord. God is good. Thank God. We'll be at the Starbucks, and he'll just give a good praise the Lord. And you'll hear it from, like, all the way on the other Starbucks. And people are like, praise Oh, you're a Christian? It takes, it's something as simple as that. That no matter where we are or what we do, that when we have thanksgiving in our hearts, we can't help but to say, praise the Lord. My wife does it all the time. Sometimes they look at her like, that's weird. But she continues to say, praise the Lord. It's an amazing thing. It's contagious. 5, 8 through 10, walk as children of the light, for the fruits of the light is found in all that is good, right, and true, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. If you're you're a Christian this morning, you place your faith in Jesus, he says, walk as children of the light. That means walk awake of your surroundings. Pay attention to what's going on, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good. And all that is right and all that is true. If that's you, then you're awake and you're making a difference. And I love this part. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't just make a quick decision, right? Students, I know y'all have issues with that. Parents, we got to pray for our students. Because they make quick decisions. They don't understand what it means to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And sometimes we do that. Amen? I need you to say amen because these students need to hear from you guys. Amen? All right? 
So 5, 15 through 16, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of our time. I love that because here's the truth. Sometimes we don't think about things. And to live spiritually awake means that we have to walk as the wise, right, making the best use of our time. Here's what I think about. I think about, like, being spiritually awake, and, and, and especially in this verse, not as unwise, but as wise. Some of you guys, I see, sometimes when I'm at Starbucks, I see somebody who just woke up, and they went to Starbucks. Like, their hair's all messed up. Like, they have their, like, reindeer PJs, and it's not even Christmas time. Like, that's what happens. And I'm like, that wasn't very wise, that was, not, that was not a good idea. It's not good, right? But here's what Paul says is in our spiritual life, being spiritually awake, we have to not walk as unwise but as wise. What that means is when we wake up in the morning, we brush our teeth, hopefully, students, right? We take a shower. We look in the mirror. We kind of fix ourselves, and then we go on our day, right? We have to be that same way in our spiritual life. We can't just get up and go. Here's what we need to do. We need to get up in the morning, get on our knees, and say, God, let nothing be more amazing than you this morning. We need to pray and talk to the Father, then get in the Word, listen to some worship. Let our day be started off with the amazing God that we serve. We have access to God through Christ Jesus. Walking wise, making the best use of your time. And then be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. I can't help but to, I, I'm always singing, as you know. But I can't help it. There's this writer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I've been reading his book. He says, when we don't sing out these spiritual hymns and these spiritual songs and we give praise to God, that our heart, it no longer has a melody to sing. Because there's some point of our life we became, we, we fell asleep to Christ. We became spiritually dead, so there's no, there's no melody in our heart. But this morning, you saw students up here in the front, worshiping Christ with all that they had, holding nothing back. I'll tell you what the reason is. They're awake. They have a melody in their heart, and they can't help but to give praises to God. They might not sing hymns, by the way. I'm sorry for that. But they're singing praise to God giving God all the honor and all the glory always. And then the last part, it says submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. We submit to each other, Christians, not because I love you, although I do love you, but we submit to Christ out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, giving him the glory and honor when we do that. All right. So I'm wrapping up now. So band, you can come up if you, if you so desire. Nick is taking his time, no problem. So here's the truth. I'm, I'm going to end this up here pretty soon. So here's, here's what happens. I'm a practical guy. I, I, I kind of have to see what it looks like now. Because I've been talking about all morning what it means to be spiritually a dead. And we, and we looked at some of the characteristics. And maybe you can identify yourself with one of those. But you're probably thinking, okay, Arthur, how do I become spiritually awake? What's the step I have to take? How do I do this thing? So we're going to read out of Mark 5. 41 through 42. If I pronounce this wrong, I'm sorry. Mark 5, 41 through 42. Turn to that if you have your Bibles. It says, taking her by the hand. By the way, let me set up this story. So Jesus got done ministering to some of the religious leaders, and he comes over to the other side of the lake, and, and, he, and he comes over to the Gentile side. And as, the minute, as he gets off the boat, there was a, a dad that comes up to Jesus and says, my daughter is dead. My daughter is dead. I need you to come and heal her. Now, come. I love the faith of this father, by the way, because he knew that Jesus could heal her. But he didn't know what, he was, what was about to happen. And along the way, as Jesus was walking with his father, there was a woman that was healed. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. But check that verse out. It's amazing. But here's what happens. He gets to that house, and he sees that girl on the bed. And that might be you this morning. And he looks at her, and he says, he takes her by the hand, this little girl. She's dead, by the way. She ta he takes her by the hand. And he says, Talitha Kumai, which means little girl. I love this because this morning, here's what he's telling us. He's looking at you, and he's saying, little boy, little girl, arise. But Arthur, I, uh, arise. Awaken from your slumber. 
Jesus is talking to you this morning. Here's what he's telling you. Get up. Get up out of your slumber. Get up out of being spiritually asleep. He wants you to be awake and on fire. He wants you to change generations upon generations. And he says, I love this next part. And immediately the girl got up and began walking. The natural tendency is, I'll get to that. But the little girl, she couldn't. She got up right away and she began walking. Every word and every verse in the Bible is for us and it's alive and it's saying this. That if you're at that place this morning, don't wait till tomorrow. We're going to come up to the front of worship. I don't care what age you are this morning. If you're struggling, if you're asleep spiritually, if you're dead spiritually, if you've hardened your heart, Jesus says, get up. Wake up. The second step is just begin walking. She was 12 years of age, and they were immediately, I love this, overcome with amazement. In Acts 4, Peter and John says, I can't help but to tell about what Jesus did in my life. It's nothing casual about it. He saved me. He changed me. You can't shut me up. I'm going to continue to walk and arise and be overcome by amazement. Here's the four things. Write this down and we're done and I'm going to pray. Get up and walk the Christian life. You have the word of God that is living, that is active. Get up and walk the Christian life. In just a second, come down with a repentant heart and says, God, I'm asleep in this area of my life. Lord, forgive me. I repent of my sins. I repent of those things that I'm holding on to, of those things that I'm doing. I don't want to do that anymore, and I know that only you can heal me. Get up and walk the Christian life. Be aware. Pay attention to what's going on around you, Christians. Those who are hurting, they need you. Why? Because they need the hope that is in you. Jesus, stay in amazement. Start your day off with saying, God, there is seriously nothing more amazing than you. Nothing I will see, nothing I will do. You're amazing. And what you did was amazing. And lastly, this is important. Leave a legacy. Leave a legacy at your workplace. Leave a legacy at your school students. Leave a legacy with your families. Leave a legacy with your marriage. Leave a legacy at your church. Be known as the person who had Christ in them and was on fire. I guarantee you no one will ever look back and go, oh, that was uncool. But they'll look back and go, wow, Jesus, she really knew who Jesus was. She left a legacy. So let's bow our heads and pray. If you guys can stand up with me. Father God, I just, we stand in awe of who you are, Lord. And God, I just pray that we would be a Christian people who wouldn't just go through the motions that at some point they've made decisions to follow you but maybe didn't understand the weight of that. To live for you is gain. God, help us to understand that everything we do points back to you. Help us to leave a legacy for the students that are here in this place. Help them to be awake enough to sacrifice their time and say, I want to invest in one of these students. Because I don't want them to be a part of the 80%. I want them to be a part of the 20%. I want that number to increase in the name of Jesus. Please, Lord. God, help our marriages. Strengthen them. Help us to be an example in our marriages. Help us to be an example at work and not just be like everyone else. Let those in our job come to us and say, listen, man, I, I need prayer because I can see hope in you. There's not hope in any one of these guys. I'm coming to you because I need hope. And when that time comes that they would pray over these people at their jobs and say, hey, I know hope. That hope is Jesus. Help us this morning to get up immediately. In just a second, we're going to have time to do business with you, God. Let no one be afraid. No one is looking around. God, please help them to come to the front and say, I give you all of this baggage. 
I give you all of this stuff that I'm holding on to. I can't hold on to it any longer. It's bogging me down. And I'm asleep. And I'm dead. And I want to be alive. I want to awaken from my slumber. I can't do this anymore. And Jesus, only you can give me life. We love you, God. We thank you for your word that it's living and active this morning. We give you all the honor and all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.